Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow. Tonight, we're bring, talking about Denny Hamlin's encumbered wins at Darlington Raceway. Not only did was his win in the Cup Series encumbered, but his win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series was encumbered. Also, is the penalty, does the penalty fit the crime? Is it too stiff? Is it not enough? Is it just right? Plus, Austin Sindrick, a bump and run, a spin and win, whatever you want to call it. That's what happened in Canadian Tire Motorsports Park this week. Was he right? Should that have happened? Uh, Or is it just a kid trying to save his career? Also, Daniel Suarez handed out Dunkin' Donuts at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in July prior to the race at New Hampshire, and it cost him a sponsorship. We'll explain that. We'll discuss that whole situation, and we'll take your phone calls. 917-889-8280, but the Bojangles Southern 500 a great weekend, a great weekend of racing. The Southern 500 throwback weekend at Darlington is always so great. It was a 31st career win for Denny Hamlin. However, John, this afternoon it comes out that NASCAR has taken a win away. Not yet. They have not taken a win away, but they have will take the win as far as the playoffs are concerned. An encumbered win for Denny Hamlin. They will um, be docked 25 driver points, 25 owner points. Crew chief... Mike Wheeler will be suspended for two races. Wheeler also fined in the whole ordeal. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, Hamlin's going to run for the championship. Uh, this was his second win of the year. His first win he, he wasn't penalized in. So this is Denny Hamlin, uh, an encumbered win here at Darlington Raceway. What are your thoughts here, John? I think it sucks. I think we should be talking about the fantastic, amazing comeback that Denny Hamlin made. But when they go to the they go to the inspection station back at the R and D center and find out that not just his I mean if you look his car in the Cup Series car in the Xfinity Series Joey Logano's car in the Xfinity Series all had the same problem where it was a truck trailing arm spacer and pinion angle shims which to me I have no clue what the hell it is. But they must have a single planter mating surfaces, and all mating surfaces must, between the truck and trailing arm of the U-bolt saddle, must be in complete contact with each other. So something wasn't right. And it's the same thing that happened to Joey Logano in the Xfinity Series race. So basically you have one, two disqualified without being disqualified. So whoever finished third was your real winner of the Xfinity Series race. And... I mean, you look at the Cup Series, Kyle Busch would have had another win if it wouldn't be for the way NASCAR does with this stupid-ass encumbered finish. Um, I was catching crap from you and Lee in Virginia yesterday because of the Red Sox um, Applegate, because they were using an Apple Watch to steal signs from the Yankees and saying, hey, it's cheating, we should take the wins away. And I'm, I don't have a problem with it. They take the wins away. It's cheating. Same thing they should do in NASCAR. I mean, they could tear that car apart at the track. 
And, I mean, the old Bill, Fran- Bill France Sr., they want to know who won when they left the track. People don't care anymore. They're to the point now where if they find out that they cheated, if I mean, if NASCAR was smart, they either do everything the night of and tear it apart and do it at the track and announce it Monday morning, or they don't even announce anything. Because now you got everybody griping, moaning, complaining that, Denny Hamlin has a win. He has a trophy. There's a banner hanging up at Joe Gibbs Racing, but they don't get the five points. 25 points gets docked from the driver and owner's points, which doesn't mean a damn thing because it all gets reset when they go to Chicagoland. Any big penalty out of it? They lose five points toward um, for the win, and Mike Wheeler misses Chicago. Yeah, that's the big thing is that Wheeler will miss Chicago, but you're right. You know, other than that, it really doesn't do anything for him. And I think that's where people are starting to have a problem with it. You know, he, if he loses 25 points, he still stays fifth in the standing. So he's not losing any playoff points as far as that's concerned. Sure, he's going to lose the playoff points that he had uh, from the win at Darlington. But I agree with you. I think what we need to see is what, a short track style where, you know, if you come in and you cheat, you are – it's pretended like you weren't even there. You get all the money taken away from you. You get all the points taken away from you. You finish 40th. Um, I think that that is sufficient. Denny Hamlin's 31st career win stays at 30th, and they give the win to Kyle Busch. Now, 10, 15 years ago, they used to say, well, we want the fans to know who the winner is when they're pulling out of the race track. We want them to say, well, that's who won the race when I was there. We have social media here, John. I know every time I go to a race, the person I'm – going to the race with is checking social media about the race. We're listening to post-race show. You'll know, leaving that racetrack, who's the winner, if they find out 15, 20 minutes later that the car is illegal. Now, I agree. I think it needs to be done at the racetrack. I think waiting three days for this is crazy. But here's my question. What if this happens at Homestead? You know, I, and I know NASCAR brings these cars in for inspection prior to the race. They break them down to the R&D center prior to – uh, the race at Homestead Miami Speedway. But these teams are creative, and they could put something in throughout the entire weekend that, that might give them a slight advantage, and boom, they'll win the championship. And we do a post-race inspection, all of a sudden they find something, and three days later the champion's out doing his championship tour, and three days later they're going to come out and tell you that the race was encumbered, the win was encumbered. The champion gets to keep the championship and the race win, but the race the, the win's encumbered? I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, so I definitely think it, when you have a format like this where winning means everything, I definitely think you need to look at it and say, maybe we need to do it at the racetrack. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if they take the cars back to the R&D center after Homestead. I've never heard of it. I mean, everybody says you're going to make sure you're clean as can be going into Homestead and everything because the last thing you want to do is make NASCAR play the umpire and call balls and strikes. But you also know how creative those sons of guns are on top of that pit box. If they can find a way to get a a tenth of a second out of the car and it's in a gray area, they're going to do it. I mean, the king of that was Ray Evernham. Nobody found more gray areas in the NASCAR rule book than Ray Evernham. And it probably, the rule book's probably 50 pages bigger because of Ray Evernham. And that's just how it is i i I think i don't even know like i said i don't know if they take the cars back to the r&d center we might have to check on that and find out if they do but if they don't i mean you go from homestead whoever wins wins and they might be sitting in the back of their hall going we got away with one there boys because we were nowhere close 
And that's one of the things that you have to look at. I mean, NASCAR tries to even the playing field out as much as they can. But this three days afterwards, and I mean, we've talked for the last three days about the phenomenal run of Denny Hamlin coming back from 23 seconds down after he missed pit road and still came back and caught Truex. And as Truex was blowing his tire, Hamlin was getting ready to go by him and Hamlin had 10, 10 lap pressure tires. So he was going to get him anyhow, but it was a heck of a comeback. And now it's all gone kaput because Denny Hamlin's car was determined illegal. And the thing is, like you said, the short tracks, if you fail weight or whatever the inspection is at a short track, you're dead last. I mean, half of them don't even do put them as dead last. They just put it as DQ. They don't get the they don't get the money for last. They don't get any points for last. Basically, it's like thanks for playing. And then half the time, if they do something like that, they're parked for two weeks. And until NASCAR puts its foot down, and because of the charter system, they can't. NASCAR's caught between a rock and a hard place on this. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think they could do uh, suspend a team. I thought they should have done it back in 2007 with Michael Waltrip at Napa when he uh, used jet fuel in his in his engines and in, in that 55 car back way back when. Um, I think that's the only time a team should have been told, you know what? Don't I don't want to see you for five weeks. Uh, I think with spot the big time sponsors, this is the thing with this too. You have to keep in mind here. We don't know what kind of advantage this gives Denny Hamlin. Now, I understand you sit there and you say, well, the rule's a rule, and I completely agree with that. But are we really going to ruin a guy's season over a sixteenth of an inch where maybe something that he bounced off the wall and knocked the car out of line? I'm not sure I'm okay with that. Now, that's where I think the rule book should be open a little bit. But I do think if we're going to have penalties and rules, you should sit there and enforce them. Um I don't think he should be suspended for two weeks. I think it's a little stiff, but I'm okay with taking these wins away. I really am. You know, I think Kyle Busch deserves to win that race since Denny Hamlin's car came back illegal. If you want to say that Denny did it during post-race celebration, which is one of the arguments I've read a lot this week, then don't hit the wall during post-race celebration. Um, I think that was done intentionally to hit the wall during post-race celebration. So the car might pass post-race inspection. Um, I think that's a big deal. I think these teams do that. We see these teams tearing fenders off race cars when they do burnouts. And eventually you have to wonder if that's going to end here. Because, again, you know, if you're Denny Hamlin and you do a burnout and you burn the tires off your car, does this is this thing discovered? Or did they chalk it up to, well, it's a post-race burnout? So it makes you really wonder uh, how they could have maybe manipulated the system here. Well, you've seen NASCAR – have to monitor the cars on the cooldown lap whenever they're wiggling back and forth to make sure they get the, uh, the yaw in the back in place um, because they're running as wide as they can, trying to get as much downforce and side force as they can. And they're running like they're trying to clean off their tires before they go green on the cooldown lap. So, you know, they're trying to get something back in place. Uh, again, it's one of those things. NASCAR has painted themselves into a box because of the charter system. I mean, it it may have been the 16th of, a, 16th of an inch, may not have made a difference, 
But the rule book says, I mean, baseball, the mound is 60 feet, six inches away. So if I want to pitch from 60 foot, three inches away, is the umpire going to call a balk on me? Or are they going to just let me throw? That's basically what you're looking at there. That little step off the mound isn't that much, but the rule book says you have to be touching the mound. And I think this is one of those rules, as goofy as it is, and some way it's trying to make things equal for everybody. It's trying, I mean, it just, it's the NASCAR caught rock in a hard place. Because, I mean, you look in the Xfinity race, Joey Logano in second place had the same penalty as Denny Hamlin did in the first. And I'm not sure, but I think it might be something close to what Logano had at Richmond that caused his encumbered finish. Mm-hmm. It was definitely something rare and no doubt about it. Uh, 917-889-8280 here if you want to join a conversation. Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here tonight. Discussing Darlington and Denny Hamlin's encumbered win. You know, it's, it's a shame because it puts a black eye on what was a great weekend here, John. You know, uh, 30, like 35, 34 cars had throwback schemes. That's always fun. Uh, you know, and I thought it was a great race, Dar- Darlington. Uh, 367 laps of, of fun. You know, you talked about Hamlin coming from deep in the field. It was that anticipation when you sit there and go, is he going to catch him? He was on a little bit different strategy. I thought Mike Wheeler and the uh, Adam Stevens at the 18 car. Did a great job with that strategy, only pitting once, getting the car fresher tires at the end of that race, and leaving Martin Truex Jr. kind of as a sitting duck. He bounced it off the wall. You know, he had a good car, finished in the eighth spot. But Hamlin Bush won two. They had a great strategy at the end of that race. So I think it was a great weekend overall. Got, uh, you know, a black guy here during the NASCAR and D Center on Wednesday. But what was your, what's your favorite part about that? This this year's race and the throwback weekend. What was your like favorite scheme? What was your favorite part uh, before we really dive into the race? My favorite part was Richard Petty getting the black flag. I laughed awesome. and laughed because Richard Petty's out there in his old car that he won the race in. And he's just cruising around, and he's supposed to do three laps. And Richard says, "I'm just going to keep going. It's going to be the king." So he drove a fourth one. And NASCAR throws the black flag at him. Brett Bodine basically runs up beside him and points at him, screaming and yelling, hey, we got to get the race started. The spotters are sitting up on top of the grandstands, just falling over laughing that Richard Petty would not get off the racetrack. I thought there were a lot of really good schemes. One of the things that I had the, the that didn't sit well with me was you saw Denny Hamill winning the line 11, which was a really cool paint scheme that went back to the modified days and honored Rick Hendrick's great uncle. But the other part of it where you saw the the rest of Joe Gibbs racing, Matt Kenseth in a Circle K, there's no real throwback there. Kyle Busch running M&M Carmel, there's no throwback there. I mean, M&M's has been around forever. They could have went back and found an old M&M scheme, which they've done in the past, but this year they didn't. And Daniel Suarez, his thing, his uh paint scheme wasn't anything from the back back of the past either there were so many really cool ones i loved danica patrick doing the dale jarrett one i love clint boyer even though he only lasted 18 laps doing mark martin's ford deal carolina ford dealers that he won big with with bill davis driving the xfinity series uh jimmy johnson's was really cool where they didn't do it as an old race car because i mean the lowe's car hasn't been around that long but they did the old lowe's truck that delivered stuff I mean, there were some really cool paint schemes. I thought it was a great weekend. 
And it's so sad that it's been soiled by the R&D center today. Yeah, you're right. And I, I thought, listen, Darlington's a great race. It was a great race, great racetrack. Uh, I do love a lot of the schemes. I think when you looked at, um, you know, uh, the, a lot, just a lot of the schemes that, you know, he's mentioned the flying 11 of Ray Hendrick. That one was awesome. Uh, I thought Michael McDowell was awesome. Of Alan Kowicki, uh, you know, Ty Dillon with Johnny Relaford. That one was awesome. Chase Elliott's with his dad, Bill, um, you know, and they go on and on and on. And it's a great weekend. It's caught a lot of attention. Um, I thought the great clip scheme with Casey came is great. A throwback to the Levi Garrett scheme from Rick Hendrick way back when, uh, it's just so cool to see. Um, and again, you're right. It's, it's shadowed, overshadowed by this weekend, but you know, a couple of interesting t- notes from this race as we dive through the top 10 here. Denny Hamlin was your winner. Kyle Busch second. Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon was fourth. Great run for him. Eric Jones was fifth. Matt Kenseth, Ryan Newman, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, and Jamie McMurray round out your top 10. I thought RCR as a whole had a lot of speed. We saw Ryan Newman mixing up there in the top 10 for a little while. Um, Austin Dillon finished in the fourth spot. A great run for him. Uh, so a nice, solid weekend for Joe, for Richard Childress after about 10 weeks there where they were out to lunch and didn't seem to find any speed at all. Maybe this off weekend helped them and they get some momentum here as this chase is coming because both Newman and Dillon are in the chase by wins and they needed some good fortune. And they got some this weekend. Yeah. I think Newman and uh, Austin Dillon did well for themselves. I think Ty Dillon ran respectably in the 13 car. Um, the one thing that, brought me back to old Darlington, which is what this race was supposed to feel like. There are seven cars on the lead lap at the end of the race. Truex was a lap down. Harvick was a lap down. They were eighth and ninth. And that's old Darlington. I mean, heck, what was it? The one year David Pearson won by three laps. I mean, that's how this track is. I mean, it's something to watch because, yeah, you're racing the other 39 yahoos around you. But the the one you have to race the most is the lady in black, because if you make the smallest mistake, because you look how close they are running to that wall, both at three and four to try to get move, trying to catch momentum coming off the turns. One slight mistake, because you could almost put a piece of paper between the passenger side of the car and the wall. That's how tight it is up against the wall for these guys. And for those guys to do that 367 laps, it was just amazing. And it was great racing throughout the field. And again, Denny Hamlin's comeback was phenomenal, but it's soiled. Yeah, it really is. And that's just shame about it all. Um, a couple of, of attaboys, we, as BP used to call him, we mentioned Ty Dillon, a good run for him in 13th, Chris Buescher in 17th, Michael McDowell, another top 20 for those guys, I think that's, that's the attaboys, but you know, it was a solid weekend at Darlington. I think when you look at, uh, drivers who needed to have a good run, Matt Kenseth was solid. He finished in a sixth spot, but a missed opportunity by Clint Boyer. He's got one opportunity left next week. He's basically in a win and you're in situation for Clint Boyer, uh, 18 laps. That's all that, that 14 car put up right now. He sits 11th in the standings. He's way back behind McMurray and, and Matt Kenseth and Jay Elliott, the drivers who are on points right now. So Boyer's going to go to Richmond here, John, with a really a win and that's it. Win at all costs scenario here. 
going to Richmond, which is a, one of his better racetracks. I think he could definitely do that. Same thing with, with Joey Logano. Uh, Logano's in a same, very similar situation as, as Boyer. He's got to win and get in. I could totally see one of those two drivers winning at Richmond because of their track record there. Logano and, and Team Penske, they could run very well there. What are your thoughts on Clint Boyer, Joey Logano, spoiling a party here at Richmond this weekend? I think there's a good shot at it. The one thing that um, you notice with Mike Bogoravich as the crew chief for Clint Boyer, you saw it last year with Tony Stewart. He's not afraid to take a gamble. Tony Stewart won that race in Sonoma last year because Mike Bogoravich's pit call. And Clint Boyer is probably going to have to, I mean, he has to win Richmond to even think about being in the playoffs. And 10 to 1, it's going to be a Mike Bogoravich play call. I mean, call that's either going to win it or they'll get bit by it because um, they're they've been respectable. They haven't been a front running team all year, but they've been fifth to tenth most of the season. I mean, Boyer's been respectable throughout the year. He never got the wins, and too many of these back markers have. I mean, you've got some people who really don't deserve to be in the chase. It's going to get in the chase because they want to race. I mean, Casey Kane. He's going to be out in the first round. Austin Dillon's going to be out in the first round. There's a good shot Newman will be out in the first round. So there's three cars who are in on wins that are behind Boyer in points. And I just, it's going to be all or nothing for Boyer. It's going to be all or nothing for Logano. And it should be interesting to see if the Chrome bumper gets a good workout at Richmond with these guys. You think a couple of the rookies who we look at, Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez, drivers who haven't won yet, looking for their first career win. And they're in a, in a very similar situation as far as Boyer and Logano. Uh, Jones has really come on like rocket fire lately. He finished runner-up at Bristol last week. Last week, uh, He's done a nice job here. Suarez is learning slowly. You know, his progression is coming along nicely in that 19 car. Uh, didn't have a great weekend at Darlington. Bounced it off the wall a couple of times. I ended up finishing in in the I believe like uh, where did he end up? Daniel Suarez. He finished 38th after a crash, so he had a tough weekend at Darlington. Lady in Black got the best of him as a rookie. So, what do you think the opportunity of those rookies drivers trying to steal a win? Richmond's a little bit more forgiving racetrack than Darlington. Like I said, we saw Jones go up there at Bristol and out try and outrun his his future teammate Kyle Busch and win Bristol. Just couldn't do it. What do those those guys shot here at winning at Richmond? I don't think Suarez has the shot of it. I mean, I think Suarez has improved throughout the year. Um, he's been what we expected of him out of the top, at the beginning of the season. Remember, you and I both, whenever we were talking about him, we figured uh, between 15th and 25th is where he's going to be at the end of the year. And he's going to be between 20 and 25th by the time the season's over. I think Eric Jones has been running great. The only problem is there's too many guys up there who – either want to be in when you got Boyer and Logano, you got Jamie McMurray, who's trying to make sure he stays in because he's on the cut line right now. And if one of those clowns come up and pass, I mean, win a race, McMurray's waving to everybody watching him celebrate on the stage and being announced as the chase or as the playoff uh, contenders. And Jamie McMurray's sitting there in the McDonald's holler with his head hanging low. So McMurray's going to be tough to pass on Saturday night especially when Boyer, Logano, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, or anybody who's not already in the playoffs comes around. Same thing with Kansas. Same thing with uh, Chase Elliott. They're in defense mode. 
they're there to defend. I mean, they they'd love to win the race, but they know if they play defense, they have a good shot at making the playoffs. And once you get in, all bets are off. You're right. Unless you're true. <laughs> we haven't, yeah, we haven't really seen this in recent years, and I'm curious to see what you think. I mean, the biggest risk we've seen at Richmond, I think, ever was obviously Spingate, where Boyer intensely spun out his race car, and Michael Walter Racing has never recovered, never recovered from that. That, to me, was one of the biggest risks a team has taken as far as playoffs are concerned. But as far as pit strategy here, with these stages, it opens up opportunity for a little bit more strategy. Tires are an issue where they wear off here at Richmond. There's no doubt about that. Um, but do you predict some of these teams, maybe like a Kenseth or Boyer, uh, taking a strategy call here to get to the front, to get the track position and try and pull off a win? Or do you think they're just going to try and go out there and just beat them the way they've, they've tried to all year? and not use the strategy. Uh, are you throwing everything you got at, at it here at Richmond? Mike Bogaravich is going to throw everything to include the kitchen sink at this thing to try to get Boyer inside the playoffs. Um, Kenseth, he's going to be probably the most conservative guy out there because right now he's sitting pretty. He's not on the cut line. He's got a few points above McMurray. He's just got to make sure he knows where Jamie McMurray is, and he's got to make sure all the clowns who are trying for the – when to get in that they don't get past them and Kenseth runs well at uh, Richmond all the Joe Gibbs cars run well at Richmond I mean one of the things the first thing everybody was talking about coming out of Darlington is who's going to beat Denny Hamlin at Richmond because Denny Hamlin is phenomenal there the two places the three places in the uh, cup series that they go to you can almost pencil Denny Hamlin in for a top three is Pocono Richmond and Martinsville and it's his home track. It's He can sleep in his parents' bed that night if he wants. And he's just great there. Kyle Busch is great there. Uh, the thing is, Clint Boyer's really good there. Not only has he won there a couple times, he's got a lot of top fives. Clint Boyer does really, really well at Richmond. And I think Stuart Haas Racing is going to throw everything into that 14 car this week. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, – Harvick and Kurt Busch sort of lagging behind to make sure they're not in the way that they don't have to, that Boyer doesn't have to pass them to get in because again, it's the old thing. NASCAR says they want you to run as competitively as you can. And I don't want to see Kurt Busch and Kevin Harvick pull over on lap 399 and watch Boyer go around him to make sure he gets into the playoffs. That'd be almost as bad as Boyer spinning to try to make sure Truex got in. Yeah, it would. And then you have to wonder whether or not NASCAR would institute the 100% rule that they talked about when they suspended Boyer or took points away from Boyer and Martin Truex Jr. and Truex Mr. Chase and that whole debacle there. Gate nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow with you. Uh, final thoughts, John, on Darlington and the preview in Richmond here. Uh, you know, it's a – Darlington's, like we said, it's a great weekend. Richmond's going to be a lot of fun because of the anticipation of the playoffs. What are your final thoughts here on the final regular season race of the season? I really thought Darlington was a phenomenal race. And that it's back on Labor Day, and I think what they've done with the throwback schemes is cool as hell. The other one I didn't mention that I loved was Ryan Blaney with his three-week mustache. I mean, that was a legit. It wasn't like he taped it on or anything. He said he'd been growing it for three weeks. 
He looked almost had a, almost like he had a Tom Selleck mustache from the middle of the eighties. Um, you just don't beat Darlington on Labor Day. I mean, it was a great weekend, great racing. Uh, the only problem is we had the R and D Center. Instead of talking about how great the race was today, and and that's what I was whenever you and I talked today about what we we're going to talk about on the show early it was like okay we'll talk about how great the racing was at darlington and what are we going to see at richmond and we know it's going to be good because richmond night race is usually there's a long green flag run in there where a pit strategy may end up being the difference in the race and we end up talking about shims and things that go in the rear housing and how it cost us the idea of thinking about denny hamlin going for two in a row to set up the uh, momentum needed to go into the playoffs. Now we're talking about, I really feel dirty that he won the race and got the trophy and has the banner hanging up at Joe Gibbs racing. And his car was found to be illegal. It's a tough situation to be in. It's hard to figure out how you want to feel about it because the car did come back illegal. Another thing that is hard to figure out how you want to feel about it was Sunday afternoon's race, the Chevy Silverado 250 at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race. Austin Sindrick got his first career NASCAR Camping World Truck Series win. He uh, got himself locked into the chase. It came down to a last lap, quote in quotations, pass of Kaz Gralla at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, where he got into the back of Gralla in the middle of the, of the final lap there and took him out and uh, meant to move him. Didn't mean to spin him out. According to Austin Sindrick, uh, definitely there was no doubt there was contact made. Sindrick goes around Growla and passes him for the win. Growla ends up finishing third as, as Noah Gregson passed him as well. Um, this has been a racetrack where a lot of controversy has been following, uh, has followed it. Chase Elliott and it got his first career truck when he took out Ty Dillon. Uh, we know the shenanigans that happened last year with John Hunter Nemechek, this year with Austin Sindrick. Um, where does this one rank for you? Are you okay with this? And uh, do you think you should feel pretty happy about winning that race, or uh, do you think you should feel dirty because it was a dirty move? What are your thoughts on that? I think I wouldn't want to be Austin Sindrick anywhere near Kaz Grala between now and Homestead. That We saw the same thing years ago at Sonoma. When Ricky Rudd knocked Davey Allison out of the way on the last lap of the race and got black flag for it. I mean, Ricky Rudd didn't even try to put the brakes on. I mean, he plowed through them. Um, there's a difference between good hard racing and let's go back to Sonoma last year with Tony Stewart and Denny Hamlin. Stewart didn't run through him. He got on the inside and just made sure that there was no way Hamlin was going to get past him. That's different than just running over a guy. And that's what, I mean, that's what Austin Cedric did to Kaz Gralla. And the other part is he wasn't even the closest bit remorseful about it. He said, yeah, I needed to do it. I probably could have done it later, but you have, I mean, I have a chance to make the playoffs right now. And I had a good run and I just knocked him out of the way. I mean, if they were on the last turn, like uh, Cole Custer and uh, John Hunter Nemechek were last year, I could see a bump and run there and be okay with it if it was a nudge bump and run, not plow through the guy, which is where we had the problem with John Hunter Nemechek last year. 
they didn't even finish on the track. They were plowing each other over into the grandstands almost to make sure that John Hunter Nemechek won the race and kept Austin, I mean, kept Cole Custer out of the playoffs. I think Austin Sindrick is doing everything he can to make sure he makes the playoffs the final year of Brad Keselowski racing. But, boy, that if that was at a local dirt track, they have been black flag put to the back of the pack. It's interesting because we talk about that, but Jeremy Clements did this a similar thing um, last weekend at Mid Ohio when he won his, his at Road America, excuse me, when he won his race, um, and nobody really cared about that at that point because you looked at it and you said, well, he's sort of a uh, you know an underdog story, and it was his first win. It was great to see, and yeah, there was contact, but who really cares? And Austin Cedric does it a week later um, in, a, in a division that's lower than what the Xfinity Series is. And everybody's kind of up in arms about it. Now, I agree to a point that, listen, I missed the fact that I think I would have had a lot more respect for, for Austin Cedric if he went in there and where he had a faster truck and just moved to the inside of Kaz Gravel and passed him like a normal, like there was 10 to go and passed him for the win. I think that would have been great. I think it would have been nice to see. He had a much faster race car, race truck, I should say. But that's not the era we're living in anymore. I think maybe you and I, John, have an old school view on this where we grew up in an era where we didn't want to see drivers do that. Dale Earnhardt did a lot, and I lost a lot of respect for him growing up as a kid, you know, uh, he was a, a very aggressive driver with those moves. Maybe we're a little too old school here where these young kids say, listen, you got to win at all costs. And Austin Cedric said that on, on Sirius XM radio yesterday. You know, I'm trying to win at all costs. And this is the box they put you in because you really, it doesn't make sense to improve your point standing if you're 12th in points. You know, you get to 11th after a win. What do they do? A win gets you into the playoffs. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to please my sponsors to get them into the playoffs. And that includes going through a guy. So I'm not remorseful because that's what I had to do. It's career defining. It can change Austin Cedric's career. He might be able to get sponsorship for an Xfinity series car because of that win. And that is where you sit there and go, well, maybe we're looking at a little bit different. We grew up in an era where points were premium, you know, uh, Winning was was important, but it wasn't the only thing. And NASCAR's really made it sort of the only thing here. And I think that's what maybe we have to change our mindset on here is just say, well, maybe it's a new era, and this is what these kids have to do to get to win. What are your thoughts on that? I think the big difference is when you look back the week before Jeremy Clement's win, he was inside of um, – I brain dead right now. Uh, but he was inside making the pass. He didn't Matt just Tiff. plow through him from behind. He didn't he was on the inside of Matt Tiff. He was he was hot going in, but he was inside of him. It wasn't like he plowed through the rear bumper. The same thing when you go back to Stewart and Hamlin. You go back to David Pearson and Richard Petty at Daytona. They were side by side. It wasn't like somebody plowed through the rear end of them and just figured okay i'm going to drive through you not pass you uh and that's why back in the day 
Ricky Rudd got black flagged because he drove through Davy Allison. It wasn't a bump and run. I mean, he drove through him. And that's where I see the um, problem that NASCAR is kind of letting things again get out of control. There's no real um, penalty for not doing it the right way. Yeah, do you think, you know, there's a couple of things to look at it. Uh, one is I think these drivers should police themselves. Um, I've been saying that for a while. I think um, policing yourselves as a driver is a good thing. And let these drivers work on that themselves. I think next time Kaz Grout, like it's anywhere close to Cendric on a racetrack, he's going to run them really, really hard. As you mentioned, I wouldn't want to be anywhere close to him. Um, I think that's a good thing. You know, kind of let these drivers themselves. Can, is it okay if Kaz Grout got Rex Austin Cindric for a win? Coming up, I think it depends on what the racetrack he does it at. The Martinville or something like that. Okay with that. Um, and that's how you create rivalries. You know, and that's something that's desperately missing in this sport. As well. And if we have a rivalry in a truck series, great. I think it's even better, you know, with two young kids. Um, but another thing you said that's interesting, and I, and I completely agree, is there's a difference between using bumper as a weapon and actually racing you know you mentioned the 76 500 that was an that was a racing incident with richard petty and david pearson no doubt about it um and then you have instances like last year and this year at at canadian tire motorsport park what chase elliott did at at canadian tire motorsports park years ago where he took his bumper and completely wrecked the guy um i just think it's a changing of, of mentality with these young kids where they have to win winning is is looked at as as you know, much more important than driving consistently. You know, I think if you ask a driver, would you rather finish in the top five, five times in a row, or, you know, finish or win one race in those same five races and finish outside of top 30, the other four, they would take the win every, every chance they get. That's just the new mentality nowadays where I'd sit there and I go, well, I would like to be, you know, finish consistent in the top five every week because it, that would show my versatility at the racetrack. No, you have to win, and, and we have put a lot of emphasis on winning here in NASCAR now. So it's a tough spot to be in. I think Cindric was a little aggressive, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as what we saw there last year. No, I don't think there's any question about that. But, again, I would, I'm missing the, the fact of these kids just passing somebody for a win. I'm missing that. It would be great to see that. I think it would be fun to see that where you just walk, drive up to somebody and say, okay, we're not going to make any contact. And I'm going to go onto the inside of you, and I'm going to pass you. But it's so hard to pass in these trucks now. It's so hard to pass. Uh, and winning is such a, a premium. I just think contact's inevitable. I don't disagree that contact is inevitable. But, again, there's a, a way you make contact. Um, Jeremy Clements, he was trying to win. And he saw an opening, and he took it. Austin Sindrick didn't have an opening. He plowed through him. I mean, that's like having the pace truck run through you. It just isn't racing to me. And the thing is, I mean, we love the way road course racing's been because it does bring the bumper-to-bumper contact or there's the sheet metal bouncing side to side and people are getting into each other. And it's exciting racing. And I could have lived with it if they were side-by-side bouncing off each other, trying to get to the checkered flag. I mean, 
John Hunter Nemechek was side by side, but drove him into the drove him into the freaking grandstands. That's that wasn't cool. But if they're side by side and they get off track a little bit and they're battling for the win, that's great racing. That's what racing's supposed to be. You're not supposed to plow through somebody to win the race. The goal is to get around them, not through them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it would have been great to see what that finish. And I think we get robbed of maybe a good battle. You remember when Brian, Brad Kozlowski and Mark, or Marcos Ambrose had a road course a bunch of years ago. Uh, they didn't wreck each other. They ran each other really hard. It was a great finish. And I think we get robbed of that when we see these drivers spinning each other out and making contact. Uh, Capable Truck Series will give you the top 10 quick before we move on to uh, the Xfinity Series. And I want to make a point about that race, John. I want to get your opinion on it. But top 10 from the Truck Series was Austin Sindrick was your winner. Uh, Noah Gregson second. It was Kaz Grala, Justin Haley, Ryan Truex, your top five. Johnny Sauter, Chase Briscoe, Parker Kligerman in the 75. Austin Wayne Self and Ben Rhodes, your top 10. Um, the Xfinity Series race, the VFW Sports Clip, Help a Hero 200. Denny Hamlin was your winner. We talked about that. His win was encumbered there. Joey Logano finished second. He had some issues there in his 22 car. Kevin Harvick, Eric Jones, William Byron in the top five. Brennan Poole, Ty Dillon, Justin Allgaier, Cole Custer, and Austin Dillon, the top ten. Here's my thing. Uh, you know, sort of a lackluster Xfinity Series race, a good finish at the end, um, but a lackluster Xfinity Series race. But the thing I have a big issue with is Ty Dillon spun in that race uh, around lap ten. He spun oh flat spot of his tires, and NASCAR gave him a set, extra set of tires. Now, in the Xfinity Series, you have the tire limit, and that is a big deal to give somebody an extra set of tires, especially at a place like Darlington. And NASCAR felt it was okay to do that. I, uh, Jeff Burton and Steve Letzart were not happy about it on, on the broadcast. I thought it was ridiculous. What were your thoughts on, on Ty Dillon getting an extra set of tires there in the Xfinity Series race on Saturday? I thought Stevie Letzart was going to come out of um, the booth because that's how ticked off he was. Because, I mean, you look, 10-lap pressure tires at Darlington. Austin Dillon went from dead last to the top five. So that's crazy, the way he wound up doing it. It just – and NASCAR gave him another set of tires, which kept him on pace with everybody else. So that's just um, not cool. Um, You know – it's when it's something like that where you create your own problems. You know, and I don't care what anybody says. I know people say, well, uh, spin is bad luck and stuff like that. You know, the driver can prevent a spin. Um, you know, sometimes the driver just messes up. And to me, that is your own fault at the end of the day. You know, there's nobody else to blame but the driver. So why should they get an extra set of tires because the driver made an error. Now you can say, well, safety and you're worried about those tires being blown. Yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, at the, wait until the very last minute to do it so they don't have to glue log nuts. So they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. You know, they, they made that decision way before we even need, need, way before we even knew if Ty Dillon even needed tires uh, at the end of that race. So I had a big problem with that. I just thought that was craziness. I think NASCAR does a bad job with that, uh, and and they look out for safety. I think that's what they're trying to do there. Say, well, we don't want Ty Dillon to run out around on 100 lap tires there, uh, and ball right front tire and hit the wall and hurt himself because we have a tire limit. 
Um, but again, he deserves to have some kind of of disadvantage because he spun out. You know, I don't want these if, – if a car's not handling well, I don't want some of these teams to sit there and go, my car's not handling, we're going to spin out, flat spot our tires, and NASCAR's going to give us an extra set of tires. We'll be able to work on our car, and we get an extra set of tires. Craziness. And I thought Steve LaTarte's Steve point was great when he said, if you're a race team, of course you're going to ask for an extra set of tires. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. Shame on NASCAR for awarding that. So I just thought that was a little bit ridiculous there, John. Oh, beyond ridiculous. I think um... – like I said, Stevie Letarte looked like he was ready to jump out of the booth and find uh, the Xfinity Series director, Wayne Auten, and say, what in the hell are you thinking? Um, it was an unfair advantage for Ty Dillon. Right, yeah, for Ty Dillon. He had a chance to come back, get up to fifth place before they had a – with everybody else. So he's running 10-lap pressure tires and gets a new set because he made a mistake and spun out. NASCAR doesn't do the tire limit to where they only have enough to make the 200 miles. They actually have about at least one set extra. So if they have to short pit or something, they do it, but they have to manage your tires. Ty Dillon would have made the end of the race with the tires that he had. They didn't need that extra set of tires, but it put him on the even playing field with everybody else, even though he, um, made the mistake himself and wound up going to the back on the spin. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing, Raja, is that the fact that they weren't at a disadvantage to spin. And, you know, like I said, somebody can manip- manipulate the system so easily that way. 978-928-0. Of course, here in NASCAR World, talking in circles. Another interesting little tidbit that came out this week was Daniel Suarez and, and what he did prior to the race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway when he handed out breakfast to fans in the motor coach lot at New Hampshire and handed out Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, it seemed like sort of an innocent little thing to do, a fun little thing to do for uh, Suarez and NBC Sports, but it looks like it cost Daniel, Daniel Suarez a sponsorship here. Um Subway came out this week and said they will negate the last race of the spectacle for Daniel Suarez. They had been on two races this year. They have a three-race contract with Joe Gibbs Racing. They decided to terminate that contract. And Louis found out it was because of the segment with Dunkin' Donuts. Subway serves breakfast sandwiches. Uh, Suarez is out there giving breakfast away to fans that of Dunkin' Donuts, you know, coffee and breakfast. And someone wasn't too happy about it. You know, sponsors pay a lot of money for, to be on these race cars and help these sponsors out and help these race teams out. And Suarez you know, promoting a little bit of a different sponsor there. A lot of fans and a lot of media members felt that this was Subway uh, overreacting to this. What are your thoughts on, on Daniel Suarez and Dunkin', the whole Dunkin' Donuts deal? prior to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Subway came to Joe Gibbs Racing with Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards was the face of Subway. Carl Edwards decided he wanted to step away from the racing deal this year, and Subway wound up, won the race car for three races, and Daniel Suarez was in it. I really think Subway was looking for a way to get out of it, and this was the perfect way. 
I mean, I don't blame Subway because um, you end up doing um, the Dunkin' Donuts deal in the in the garage. I mean, it's a harmless thing with NBC. They're trying to be funny. He's going around with Rutledge, of all people. So you know there's something screwed up to begin with. But there's got to be somebody in the marketing department of Joe Gibbs Racing who has to approve this stuff and says, no, if we're going to do this, we're going out with um, Subway breakfast sandwiches and not Dunkin' Donuts, even though Dunkin' Donuts is the Northeast version of breakfast. Um, I think it was... There's blame to be had on all ends. But in reality, I can see Subway's point of view. In reality, they didn't really want Daniel Suarez to begin with. And if they can get out of paying for one race, they get out of paying for one race because they could say that. My problem was it happened in July. And here we are in September talking about it. Yeah, and I don't know. Like somebody made a good point. You know, Did the right person finally see it You know, a month later? two months later and say, I don't want this guy to be sponsored any anymore. Or maybe they thought, well, our obligation is almost over with Daniel Suarez. We'll let it go. And they just couldn't let it go. I don't know what the whole deal was with that. That's a great point as far as it being two months later, but I do agree with you. I think it was a oversight by the marketing department. I mean, we've seen sponsorships, you know, if I'm Subway and somebody's handing out breakfast sandwiches, I want it to be mine. And I want the marketing department at Daniel Suarez and everybody else Joe goes racing to sit there and go, oh, Subway sells breakfast. Let's put them in there. Now, this was an innocent little thing, and you might not even think about that. But part of the reason why they're on that 19 car is because of what Daniel Suarez does off the racetrack. You know, and that is, has become such a big part of NASCAR nowadays. You know, it's stupid I think it's stupid that it's become such a big part of NASCAR that off the track has become a, a big issue, but that's the reality. You know, like I said a couple of weeks ago, when Alex Bowman came to the, when it was announced he was going to be in the 88 car for next season, you know, Nationwide Insurance never really said anything about him performing on the racetrack. They just basically said, we want him to keep Dale Jr.'s fans and perform on Twitter, and yeah, we want him to do well on a racetrack, but that was sort of secondary. Um, Suarez has had a good year in the cup. He hasn't had a great year. He is not winning races. He's not coming close to winning races, but he's done a pretty nice job for his first rookie year. I'll give him that. Uh, but again, you have to be conscious of this stuff. And it is stupid. You could sit there and say, well, it's ridiculous. You know, we're in a PC world here, but we're in a PC world, and that's the way it goes. And again, Subway is paying a million, million and a half dollars to be on that 19 car. They want exclusivity rights for Daniel Suarez. And handing out the donuts, is, it is a competitor. I can see how it's a competitor in the morning, no doubt about it. If I'm driving to work and I go past the Dunkin' Donuts subway, I'm going to sit there and go, mm, I don't know where I'm going to go, but Daniel Suarez, my favorite driver, handed out Dunkin' Donuts. That might negate me. I don't know. Um, so it, you know, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, but I understand exactly where Subway's coming from. And I understand what Joe Racing is coming from, saying it's ridiculous that they did that. But, again, you have to be a little conscious here as far as sponsorship is concerned. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Subway has every right to pull themselves off of the car because here you are, Daniel Suarez, on national TV, pumping out a product of somebody who doesn't sponsor a car. And Subway's paying a boatload of money to be on the hood of that car 
and they're pumping a sponsor who isn't, I mean, some, a business who isn't even a sponsor. So I can understand Dunkin' Donuts being, I mean, Subway being ticked off. And I think Subway was trying to find a place to go somewhere else. Uh, I think you're pretty accurate on that one, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280 here to join the conversation on Talking in Circles, which leads us to Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. Hello, guys. How are you doing tonight? What do you want to talk about? I'll talk about the Suarez sponsorship deal, John. I think you made a good point with the, uh, you know, saying that you know there is a it's it, as much as we don't look at it as well, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and and we don't think of Subway as a breakfast food company and a, a competitor. It's still a restaurant. And it's almost to the point where, well, Dunkin' Donuts doesn't even need to sponsor the car to get that kind of publicity. Why point. the hell should I sponsor the car if I'm Subway? And so. That's almost the way to look at it as well. As I'm sponsoring the car. You probably should have thought about doing something with us first. Now, fans need to understand that. Now, the fans have come to the defense of Daniel Suarez and Joe Gibbs Racing, but at the same time, they need to be more aware of the situation, not pitch a sponsor that's not even on their car, um, or, and, and Daniel Suarez especially. You know, something that's not on your car, you know, maybe they're giving a personal services deal. Um, why sponsor the car then? And that's, where, that's really where we're in this modern era now. Danica's going through the same thing. Where you know what's the difference between a personal services deal and, and a you know a contract to sponsor your team for twenty million dollars? Um, you know the drivers have kind of lined up, you know have kind of lined up uh, deals for themselves, and this is what happens. Yeah, and I agree with that about as far as the personal service contract, and that's a great point, Lee, because you know we like you said you brought up Danica Patrick where GoDaddy still has that personal service contract, so whatever they do on off the track, she can't be you know pitching another website uh domain website um you know because she's got personal service contract and the fact that you mentioned about dunkin donuts not even being on a race car is another good point because you sit there and go well i thought as subway that was part of the reason why we're sponsoring that car so you could promote us outside of of the race car um and dunkin donuts gets to do that for free no thank you so i think those are two very good points Uh, what else, Lee? Did you uh, go ahead, John? I was gonna say, Lee, tell tell us your thoughts about uh, our fun-filled Wednesday encumberedness that just shot to hell a great weekend at Darlington. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate because it was it was awesome to see the racing at Darlington and all of that. And I, I think NASCAR needs to go back and, and release penalties on Tuesday like they used to do, so we get a little bit closer to the race weekend because I think we all had given up on Darlington. And we were ready to move on to Richmond, and now here we are going back to Darlington. And it, it not that you know it's a bad thing for Darlington, but it sort of zaps all the excitement out of Richmond. And I think they need to go back to doing that on Tuesdays. I understand it was a holiday weekend. Boo-hoo. Oh, well, you make billions of dollars, work on a Tuesday, and release everything. Oh, well. Like, you know, that's the way it rolls. You know, the teams have to work on Labor Day. So should you. But anyway, um, I, I think it's time to really look at – you know, being more being more harsh with these penalties. What does Joey Logano lose? I'm sorry. What does Denny Hamlin lose over this in the Xfinity Series? He still gets a win. The team still gets a win. The sponsor still gets the recognition, etc. And then in the Cup Series, oh well. You know what he loses? Mike Wheeler for a couple of weeks. So while Mike Wheeler stays at home and or stays near the racetrack and is on radio communication with the team for two weeks, one of the, which is still a regular season race, and he loses some playoff points. Oh well. You know, but Denny Hillman still gets credited with career win number 31. 
And we all talk about how wonderful this win was. And when we look back in four or five years at Darlington, we're going to go, wow, remember when Denny Hamlin swept the weekend that weekend? And we're going to go, oh, yeah, but that win was encumbered. But we're, eh, we're not even going to remember that. And it's not even going to affect us when we talk about the future of the race. I think it's time to change things. And, you know, with social media and how quickly everything moves, I think you could take wins away. And I think it's time we start to do that. Agreed. Um, and I think – when you look at, like you said, when you look back at that race, Hamlin's still the winner, and that's where I have a big problem with it. He's still got 31 wins, and he should have 30. Uh, real quick here, we got a couple of minutes left on this show, and we'd like to do this because there's still a lot, not a lot to be determined uh, as far as a silly season goes. Um, you know, we only got no news is good news right now. Not a lot of movement going on. You know, you still got the rumors. Uh, about what's going to happen with the 43 car. Um, this week it was announced that Ty Dillon signed a multi-year extension with Jermaine Racing. Um, so he's not going anywhere. There was some speculation that maybe he would be going to uh, the, you know, the third, Joe Gibbs, or third Richard Childress Racing car to fill in and, and join the family, but he's not doing that anytime soon. Um, any, as far as speculation is concerned, Lee, is there anything out there from your in your opinion um that we're going to see here in the coming weeks as far as who's going where for 2018? We could see the Bubba Wallace deal be officially done. I've I've heard it could I've heard it very well could be very close to being done with Richard Petty Motorsports and and Richard Petty Motorsports aligning with Richard Childress Racing. Now be careful because people were like, "Oh, well, that doesn't mean they're moving into a shop da, 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 from what the article they read yesterday." Well, the article only said that they weren't going to quote unquote merge. They merge. never said they weren't going to align. So, you know, Richard Petty Motorsports will still operate as an individual entity, but be run out of the RCR shop. That is going to be the case. Bubba Wallace will be the driver. Um, and then, you know, I've heard that Matt Kenseth was walking around the Stuart Haas Racing shop the last couple of weeks. So it could be a deal with him at Stuart Haas Racing. We're still waiting on anything sponsorship and. What else could come fund that team and whether or not Stuart Haas is going to re-sign Kurt Busch? I think some of it might have to do with Monster Energy and what, whether or not they're going to renew with Stuart Haas Racing. So there's still a lot on the table for those guys. But, you know, Kenseth uh, might be finding a home at Stuart Haas Racing from what I've heard. What do you think about that, John, here in the final minute? I think that's the smartest move they can make. Uh, take Matt Kenseth over Danica. The difference, um, one of the things – Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin, whenever Matt Kenseth came to Joe Gibbs Racing, those were the two who were pushing hard to get him there. And they learned more about their cars from Matt Kenseth than they ever did before. And I think Matt Kenseth might be a stabilizing factor over at Stuart Haas Racing and make that 10 car something worthwhile instead of a 25th place car. Oh, I can't. I completely agree. I think that's a. it would be the best move possible. And if, if Matt Kenseth goes there... It's going to be huge. I want to thank Lee for calling in. That was a great call, and be sure to call next week. Um, this weekend is Richmond season, the regular season finale. Can't wait for that. We're going to have this, the Chase 16 in the Cup Series. We'll be discussing that next week on Sunday night here on Talking in Circles. Uh, we'll be t- talking about that. We'll be talking about the Xfinity Series race. Hopefully, maybe we'll get some uh, silly season news figured out by then as well. We'll talk about it all next week on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.